welcome to Writers Talking, the podcast where we take writers and readers behind the scenes, sharing the stories within the stories. No scripts, no filters, and no holds barred as we talk about what really happens for writers as they write, edit, publish, and promote their work. Hi, I'm Anjanette Fennell, agent, editor, and writerly mentor who's worked with hundreds of writers to break through their creative challenges to uncover the stories they feel compelled to share. Now, let's get talking. Listeners, today's episode is slightly different from our usual. We're starting a new series where we will sprinkle in amongst our usual writers panel these one-on-one deep dives with an individual author. Today I'm talking to Sarah Foster. We chat a bit about her process, her as a person, as well as how she handles the juggle of everyday life and writing her novels. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Sarah Foster is the best-selling author of six psychological suspense novels, You Don't Know Me, The Hidden Hours, All That Is Lost Between Us, Shallow Breath, Beneath the Shadows, and Come Back to Me. Her seventh novel, The Hush, a near-future thriller, was published by HarperCollins Australia and Blackstone US in November 2021. Sarah lives in Western Australia with her husband and two young daughters and is a doctoral candidate at Curtin University. Find out more about Sarah at www.sarahfoster.com.au. So welcome, Sarah. I am so excited to chat to you today. I have known you for a few years. I've been reading your books for years. I read and loved your most recent book, especially. It's just a top of mind because I read it most recently, <laughs> Hush. And I know that you've been talking in different interviews and things, but I would love to hear more about your process. You wrote The Hush before or after you just completed your PhD, turned in the thesis. Did you get a pr- tick of approval? Am I talking to a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Anjanette. And um, well, no, I'm still in the examination process, so okay. we don't know yet whether okay. I'm going to be a doctor. Oh, come on. Let's shoe in. Keep our fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a really long process. It took me seven years to do the whole thing from start to finish. Um, obviously, I tagged. So it's interesting, actually, because my research has been all about the representation of mother characters in fiction and was born from the fact that I saw so many mothers missing in fiction with young adult heroines and I was kind of interested in the kind of knock-on effects of that for young adult readers what what are they being taught if we're constantly showing them that older female characters are absented insufficient um insane right (laughs) you know um So the whole project came out of that. But of course, while I've been doing it, I've also been raising my own two girls So (laughs) and started this PhD when they were six and two. So that's quite a stressful time. I wouldn't recommend that necessarily to everybody, but (laughs) I I was driven by passion. And all the time, um, as I've worked and written other books alongside the PhD, I've said to myself, you know, you're nuts, you've got too much going on. And then I was like, but I believe so much in the research so much in what I'm doing it's a real passion project of mine and that just carried me through because I felt like I was doing myself and the wider community a disservice not to finish what I'd started so it's wonderful now (laughs) 
yeah. Try to have it in and be complete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's interesting. You said something I wasn't expecting and maybe I just loosely had how long it took. Maybe it was just like when you talk about delivering a baby, you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're just going to ignore that part because that sounds hard. <laughs> you said it took seven years and you, did you write other fiction? And by the way, I wouldn't characterize your books as YA. So I think it's really interesting that you've got psychological thrillers, which is what I would call them, definitely with a female protagonist. Definitely I've read others of your books that have this mother-daughter relationship and that nuance and challenge. I mean, we're both women, so we've had mother-daughter relationships and then we both have daughters. I have one, so we've got that. But how did you, number one, how did you continue (laughs) your PhD while writing outside, like writing fiction and how many novels did you write at the same time as you were doing this? That's crazy. it is a bit crazy. Well, I got caught in a bit of a um, kind of tug of war, one foot in either camp, where when I applied to do the PhD, um, the writing was very low profile and I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And so I put this application in while I submitted, I think it was all that's lost between us, to other publishers. Um, and then at the same time, I got a scholarship for the PhD and a book offer at the same time and went oh no (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute what do I do and um, things kind of took off from there really but because of the way that traditional publishing works the publishers have asked me in sometimes stronger terms than others to make sure (laughs) I continue to write books and this book that I was doing for my PhD hasn't been on the top of their list so it's had to wait its turn um, and be done alongside some of the other more um, conventional psychological thrillers that um, yeah I've done with the hidden hours and you don't know me as well yeah so the whole thing has been a crazy juggle which meant obviously taking some um, dedicated time off from the PhD taking leaves of absence uh, other times juggling it around um, and then eventually I decided to go part-time to just give myself the chance because it's unsustainable after a while um, so I wanted the chance of actually finishing everything and yeah. the the way to do that was to go part-time but in many ways pulling yourself so on so many different le- levels working on so many different projects is not great really yeah <laughs> and I wouldn't necessarily recommend that as a way forward it was just the way it happened to me and because I believed in both my publishing career and the research I was doing on the PhD mm. I got caught like that but mm. everything has kind of cost a little bit financially as well because obviously going part-time the PhD you lose the tax exempt on your scholarship and you get half the money and you know those kind of things so it's definitely been a sacrifice to get to this point and I hope now I've got the research finished then I can start talking about it and that will all be worth it wow okay so quick question did you sell that book that got the contract for the book at the same time as you got accepted into the PhD did you sell that on spec or did you have a first draft of that I had a complete first draft one of the best things I did just before I did all this crazy stuff was I actually took time out when I had my second baby and made sure I didn't work because the first one I tried to push through when I had Hannah and that wasn't fun Um, and and again that was to do with deadlines and one thing another but I made sure that with the um, when I had my younger daughter that I took proper time off and then I came back and I wrote that book 
all that's lost between us without that contractual pressure. And that was wonderful, actually. That was a really great experience writing that book. But also, I still had to bear in mind that, you know, there was a, my own <laughs> deadlines and my <laughs> the need yeah. to get it finished if I wanted this to be my career. Yeah. I couldn't just dawdle and take too much time. But wow. it was lovely to do it in that context. Oh, my goodness. Well, and then jumping. So you wrote essentially over the seven years, in addition to a PhD, how many books did you write in there? Was it so three? Published two? three, published three, wrote two. Okay. Wow. Uh, uh, in addition to writing The Hush. In addition to. Yeah. The, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Okay. So how do you, how do you balance it other than it's there and then you made a choice because that's what it is, a choice to go down to part-time, but you know, that choice comes with these particular <laughs> challenges like less money. And so we're doing this and that. How do you juggle that? Especially when you're talking about creativity. So the PhD would have been research heavy but no less energetically challenging. And then mm. also family, mm. two children and a partner and, you know, what else? Yeah. I mean, it is constantly replanning, rejuggling to try to get to the next step. That's the only way I can describe the last seven years is just knowing what the next step is as well as the big picture okay. and constantly focusing on how do I make that work? How do I make that work? Because it, there's curveballs thrown at you all the time. And I never imagined how many curveballs there would be, but obviously children <laughs> and their life have plenty of curveballs. And then the older generations as well, you know, we lost like five, six members of my family during this time. Oh God, yeah, because you know, of COVID. And uh, yeah, like, not even because of COVID. COVID. Uh, no, oh so yeah, just different scenarios and one thing or another, and trying to to deal with that and to continue pushing forward. It's been very stop start until, um, in actual fact, COVID probably helped me out because mm. stopped so much stuff that I was just at home and writing, you know, and yeah. and not doing a lot else to start with. Yeah. And still at the stage that I was immersed in that world, which feels like an awful thing. You know, it doesn't feel like COVID should be acknowledged to do any good really well, <laughs> for anybody. Not COVID but, itself, yeah. but maybe <laughs> because the way that people were approaching things shifted. Look, I'll raise my hand and say I'm appreciative of it. And I hope that we don't give away certain things that we learned, which is our world is more accessible to all of us. And the borders aren't quite as strong physically. Yes, they need to be where they are, but we can do good work and connect with people more easily than ever because we have these things. And it's not to say it's a replacement for in-person, but I'm as much as people may be shocked, I'm an introvert and I actually need a great deal of space. So isn't that interesting? I think certainly too, what you're talking about being a creative, that maybe having other things slow down in the, that external expectation of be here, if that if they take the foot off the accelerator for that and it gives you a bit of time time and a bit of space, because I think that's part of what my question is. How do you do all the things and keep your heart in it? Because you don't write books that are just very intellectually interesting. Yeah, sure they are. But you're, I can read it. And so I feel it in your books. You are there. Your heart is there, right? So they're going deeper. And that takes something from a first draft and then through edits to be able to meet your work like that. That's not yeah. just, a, oh, I'm sitting down because I've set the timer and that's it. 
I mean, yes. And how do you drop into these stories that are very challenging? Because that's what you write. Yeah, um, that's a really great question. And the way that um, I've managed to do that with the support of my husband as well is that I will do a certain amount of writing as a routine structure, hopefully the best routine I can get. Sometimes that routine does not look great at all, but sometimes (laughs) it goes quite steadily. Early mornings is a good one for me. So I'll write in a good structure normally um, early in the morning. But there comes a point where I have to go away. And so we have paid for me to go away and spend, you know, a few days in hotel on depending on where I am in the writing cycle, a reasonably regular basis so that I can immerse myself in sections of the work. Because I think without that, it would be really hard to get that heart into it because I was actually quite scared when I had my younger children my children they were younger that when I write and when I think about characters I get so lost in my head that I'm not present yes Um, and so you know it it felt dangerous to actually do that with them around because I wanted to make sure that I was taking care of them properly as well and so going away has been the way through but kind Mm. of aggravating as well it's annoying to have to leave (laughs) like oh I have to go stretches yeah to do it but it works it does work and it just gives me that undiluted time where I can switch everything off and just sink right into the story Mm. and let it take over I have had other authors talk about that experience that they get to a certain place, maybe depending on how many words have come. And it's a mix of plotters and pantsers. I'm going to ask you about that in a second, (laughs) but um, where they say it's this walking around supposed real life is the part that starts to feel unreal because they are so immersed and want to be immersed, but I get it. It sort of does remind you too of those moments when you've got a young child and you're so sleep deprived that you wake up thinking, oh my God, did I forget to put them in a safe place? Like, did they, did I fall asleep on them? Did they roll away? And you're just always worried because you aren't present because you're sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about is very similar. Like I want to be so over here that I'm not actually interacting with my supposed I mean, I want to say supposed that's getting very sort of woo-woo esoteric, but we're not living in the matrix. I'm not saying that, but maybe we are, but whatever, everyone each to their own, but the real world, everybody else seems to be in that. You don't feel like you're present in it. Yeah. And I think you're lost in the story. Yeah. And actually that's a really great point that I think I probably suffer along with fellow authors is that sense of disconnect because you live in the real world for less time than everybody else. And it is easy to walk around feeling a little disconnected and wonder why. And then, and if you're not careful, that can make you feel anxious or lonely or whatever. But really when you are a writer that lives in story, half your life, I mean, I think about stories every morning when I wake up and every night, you know, before I get, I'm like, where, where are we? You know, and resetting <laughs> well, myself into it. that story. Like, well, it's kind <laughs> of like as if you have this, that you're on a plane and that you could be taking a night flight and every morning you're waking up now, like readjust, where am I to get certain things done? And when can I get back? Or maybe like yeah. a time traveler or something like that. Absolutely. That, yeah, That's yeah. reflected in your writing. I think Uh, you know, we all make choices. And I believe that storytellers are storytellers, like if they could choose not to do it. And maybe some people do choose not to follow through and create the book. But as you said, you're a storyteller. So you wake up Mm. and you're like that. And you like that. That's your, even if they are challenging times, that is your happy place, meaning it's what lights you up to 
be thinking about these things. Were any of the books that you wrote over those seven years, were any of them harder to, to get lost in than others based on what you were doing with the research, knowing you were kind of doing it in tandem or, I don't know, taking it in turns today, I'm being PhD, Sarah. <laughs> and or just during the morning, how did you split that up? And how did that affect what you were writing? When you were- um, they, they all felt equally as immersive and challenging at the same time, mm. actually. So there were points, I definitely have found that it's got harder in some ways to keep that level of intensity up because obviously you write the first few stories and you're super passionate and then you're looking for your next ones and and then when you're combining so much else with the publishing world as well all the promotion and the edits and the and the as well as the PhD stuff and you've got family life to um care for as well that that intensity is a real challenge and again the the trips away have been brilliant for that so but I think the juggle has meant that I've needed more editing as well so I've been okay. able to get the bare bones down of the story um and probably extra uh to that but I think there's definitely been more commentary from the editors and it will still be interesting now that I've finished and I can be much more singly focused yeah <laughs> whether yeah. that changes or because I'm an editor myself my background is editing so sometimes when they're commenting I'm like yeah why am I doing this you know that why am I but probably when you're going across a number of different fields that stands to reason that you're not going to be able to polish as well so that's maybe taken more time to produce the piece uh, right with the last few books but not with the hush I knew what I wanted and I was very immersed in that and uh, from the academic side of things my supervisor has been very supportive of um, initially what I came up with and there definitely has been lots of editing going on with that as well but we did have a challenge in that the original publisher that was going to publish this book what had something different in mind for it and I had to um, try and fight for what I wanted the book to be and eventually we couldn't agree so I had to cancel that contract and actually try and find a publisher that wanted to do what I wanted to do with that book and I probably wouldn't have done that with every book because it's not very it's stressful and not very conducive to (laughs) study publication process one thing another but this book based on the research that I'd done felt like there were certain things that I just wasn't able to compromise on well to keep that research integrity going so it ended up being a very long process with lots Mm. of different editorial opinions about the hush Mm. but still I felt very strongly I knew what the core of that book was and the themes around mothers daughters grandmothers female relationships yes intergenerational relationships women's bodies women's right you know all those things were so firmly fixed in that book that there were certain areas that I was very confident about well and maybe number one well done you because we do have a lot of talks about uh with authors on how do you balance that getting feedback and what to know to stand up for and what to release and you're right the hush for you especially was significantly different because it was tied to something else. There was this greater message. Ultimately, I think you couldn't have done the timing any better, which (laughs) made it even more substantial. Just as an aside, you'll have to go check it out. I did a quick review months ago on my YouTube channel and only just recently somebody commented on it and then Ah. said, oh, if you like that, you should look at her backlist. And they said, I've already got four in the lineup. Um, but going back to that deciding what to do, it's it's interesting that you say you wouldn't have necessarily fought for the others, but this was so 
specific that waiting to find the publisher that got the core of it. So it wasn't you being precious. It was you saying, no, this is like, I've done the research. I feel incredibly strongly about this. And those are things I cannot change because of what you think the market is, which is generally what they would do. And generally that's good advice because you want to sell books, but this is, I want to sell books. And this is a statement. I am presenting something that I feel seven years worth at least (laughs) of passion about sharing. Wow. I really love that. So with being able to do all that, are you, do you identify as a plotter or a pantser? (laughs) Well, yeah, I should, um, I'll preface that answer by saying that you're right in terms of normally, you know, all the, from the editing side of things, we encourage people to listen to editors. And so it's very strange to be pushing back and and can make you feel very disconcerted about where you are in the process. Yeah, that that was challenging for me as well, especially coming from and respecting the editor's opinions and coming from that background myself. So it was it was difficult, but it needed to be done for this book. I think normally I go somewhere in the middle of this plotting and pantsing. Yeah, pantsing. I love it. Yeah, I, I do what is called what I call reverse editing, which is I set off uh, with the story and I don't seem to be able to do it any other way. I'm trying to do the next book in a new way. And so far, I seem to be drawn to do exactly the same thing. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> don't, bro- don't break it or I don't know. fix it if it ain't broke. <laughs> well, the thing is, I keep thinking, gosh, I could get this down much quicker and more easily I if I just like could plot the darn thing out at the beginning. Yeah. And then I try and I feel myself just losing the essence of the story because I'm making it too formulaic. Mm-hmm. So for me, the, the heart and soul of it that I want to put in there actually feels like it gets nullified by becoming too mechanical too quickly. So I've compensated for this by writing what I want to write till I get stuck. And then I go back and then I plot what I've already done, basically. I look at it, I I set it out, decide, you know, all sorts of questions come to mind about whether the characters are strong enough, who's whether they're in the scenes for long enough, whether the pacing is right, whatever. And I'm very almost scientific about that part of it yeah. once I've done it and I'll ask am I going the right way am I doing everything I want to do with the story and then I'll do another little chunk and then when I run out and normally the sign that I need to do that is that I run out of inspiration or I yeah. get confused or I yeah get lost in the story um that has worked really well for me in terms of coming up with quite a polished finished first draft but it is a little messier in terms of plotting so there are (laughs) there are times when I mean I know that the hidden hours um there's a ring that has to feature in the story all the way through and this darn ring you know every now and again you're like ah with this ring and you're like oh my god how am I going to get this ring's journey from A to B and I'm completely lost in it and and if I had plotted at the beginning and known the trajectory of that part of the story it would have been so much easier my husband always looks at me when I'm tearing my hair out and goes just make the decisions before you start Look, I will give you confidence in knowing, obviously, you're not alone. There are plenty of pantsers out there. That gives me a little bit of anxiety because I think uh, I sort of come up with this little analogy. It's like you could be going to a party if you're a pantser and then all of a sudden somebody shuts the door, turns off the light and there might be another door in there, but you don't know. You don't know where they went. 
You don't know it, what door they took. You're just sitting there alone. And that sounds like that first place that you get to that you're like, I'm not sure what's happening. So almost like the thing that occurred to me when you said that is it's almost like doing a thing and adding it to your to-do list so you can check it off after like, let me go back now and then put on what I did. Um, but there's some beauty in that. The other thing that occurred to me, I talk a lot with writers in my programs about the internal editor. And as far as I'm concerned, it sounds like you've got a really good relationship with yours, which is to say, when you get to a stuck place, she mostly stays off your back. And then when you get to a stuck place, you work together because I say the internal editor is not somebody you should like ignore her, kick her in the face. Yeah. She may be critical. And for some of us more critical and louder during the the creation piece. However, she's also possibly got some good ideas. The, The goal is just to not let that internal editor stem the flow. So you get that first draft as quickly as you can. So Sarah's length of time on a first draft is going to be different from somebody else's, right? So I do say no matter which way you do it, you will not be saved from pulling out your hair. So you can just tell your husband that. (laughs) Guess what, mate? No matter what I do, I'm still going to be whinging about what is happening for me because you get lost in the story. I've got authors that say if they plotted it out, and I usually recommend at least just five plot points, just give yourself those basic five so that it's like setting the coordinates and the GPS. You kind of know where you're going. You definitely rule out a lot of others, but you don't know everywhere you're going to stop on your road trip and you don't know exactly where you're going to stay, but you've got a vague idea. Like I'm going from New South Wales down to Victoria. I know I'm going that direction. Now I could end up in South Australia or I could end up in Western Australia, but at least that gets me going, right? And then I yeah. can follow the steps. And there are authors who say, if I plot it out I and I know the end, I'm not interested enough to keep going. So for them, that process of revelation, and I would say based on my background in psychology, some of its personal transformation is the buy-in, is what makes you excited to get lost in the story. So if you know yeah. all the parts, yeah, you wouldn't want to keep going. And that sounds... Yeah similar to what you described meaning well you know yeah yeah I think that first of all my characters often stay in my head for quite a long time before I write anything down but I mean up to two years you know I just have books living in my head before I even write anything down so I think probably by the time I set up I have that overall structure so I normally know the beginning and the end um to some degree not the details but the general play out generally what I'm aiming for and then yeah I think it is just filling in those gaps but the beauty about the enhancing style of writing which is hard to let go of is the moments of surprise when you just can get lost in the story because you haven't the payoff um, yeah and that is a a lovely payoff that there have been times where my characters just surprised me with something so wonderful or just something so unknown that I wasn't aware of about them because I've immersed myself in who they are they just start to reveal themselves to me that you feel Mm. like you're having such a great dialogue with the characters that are going on the page that you can't get from rigid plotting. And I think that's why I'm drawn back to it to a degree. But I also think that as I've come further down the line of writing and become more aware of craft around storytelling, I think I've become much more likely to just go over and over that plot, try and make it bigger and better every time. You know, I want my books to get better, um, to have new challenges, uh, but I want every book to be better than the last book or to be... um, 
you know, kind of on a par. So, yeah, I love those challenges of trying to find different ways of telling story. And I think that, yeah, just having a mishmash of the two just really works for me. But I am still, I still read books about plotting and I still go, right, I'm going to try that. I'm doing one at the moment. There's a book called Take Your Pants Off, which I heard recommended by Kyla Stone. Okay. and uh, through Alessandra Torres on one of the um, uh, yes, I watched her stuff. Com. Yeah, um, and I just loved this book. I thought it was very sensible. She was very, you know, straightforward in how you could plot this thing out without <laughs> getting in a mess. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, what? I'm going to try that. So I've taken notes and I'm tentatively trying, but I'm finding that I'm finding it hard to, there's something calling me in another direction and that's yeah. to do it my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I think we all need to balance it. It's not an either or. It's, it, it, I don't believe that it's, I won't challenge myself or my writing won't get better. It, just from the start of a book to the end of a book, in my experience, supporting authors, you will be a better writer by the end, just because yeah. you, you've gotten into the flow, you've surrendered to it. Um, there's more of that collaboration between you and the characters, and you've gone through these surprises and revelations. Same goes for each book. You will, as long as you're not falling asleep at the wheel. And just so even being mindful of wanting to be better. Yeah. And also, because clearly when you're doing it, you need that payoff. You need something extra. So you're adding an extra ingredient or a twist or you see, this is why reading is so important, continuing to read because you may read something and think, God, I really loved how they did that. I wonder what that would look like. And as long as even with these tools, here's the thing I say, gather the tools, gather more, have as long as it's under the umbrella of it's fun and play. And if it doesn't work for you, you don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Like there is no one path to this is how you write. Just like there's no one pathway to the publishing career you wanted. And by the way, it will never look exactly like what you thought it would look like anyway. Yeah. <laughs> another topic for another day that we'll definitely Absolutely. have to chat about. But um, <laughs> I think it's really heartening to hear about the way that you've developed in your own writing as well. And that confidence that you've gained both from your other role as an editor for others and as a creator and sort of even that argument you were talking about earlier about saying, what do I stand up for and how can I look at it through the eyes, even as an editor what do I expect people to say? And the answer isn't always for the author, just lay down. However, you think about what's their point, right? And it, I always say, put it through that filter. But same, yeah. even if we're looking at craft, this is what somebody says is great. And I love that you're being led by, well, that looks like interesting. And wouldn't it be nice if I could save a few hairs from being pulled out? <laughs> I think that should be the goal, right? Not saying let me turn around my entire process. That's actually gotten me all of these books. I could talk to you forever. We'll have to, we'll put a pin in it (laughs) with a definite let's chat again. Uh, But I would say to everyone listening, if you haven't read The Hush, rush out and get that. I have both the audiobook and the physical book. I thought I could just, oh, if I could just listen to it, that'll help. But I couldn't help myself. And so I did both at the same time. It is just a, there was a, an extra payoff. I loved it. And I love your narrator uh, who has been used in one of our mutual friends books as well. 
uh, I recognized her voice. I was like, oh, I love this voice actor. Uh, So I can highly recommend both of those, but also your entire backlist. And if anyone listening wants to have fun, they can read them in the order they were published so they can see what Sarah was talking about, about wanting to develop her writing and see if you can follow that. I Look, I'm a, I'm a story and a publishing nerd, so that is something that I would do is go back <laughs> and try to read them in order so I can see the, the depth of your own craft right? And how you've done that each time and or not guess because we could count back seven years, but figure out which books you were writing at which point during the the PhD work as well. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a very interesting chat. Maybe I should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Go back and read. See my own development. (laughs) Look, I think that's really challenging. I have a hard time listening back to my voice, but I do the editing. So I'm forced to. I think that's good, especially if you ever need a little bit of a pat on the back. I think that you would likely be pleasantly surprised with how good it was but then also watching your own development. Even if you just read a few pages and say, oh, oh yeah, because you lived in the book while you were writing it and while you were editing it, but now it's fully separate from you like a child and they go out and they grow and then you can look at it and maybe in a totally different way than you had before and see, yeah, yeah, the gift that, that you've given. So like I said, highly recommend all of Sarah's books. I can't wait to chat to you again. Thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Writers Talking. Join us next time for more writers in conversation as we delve into the writer's process, their passions, and a little bit about their books. Don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast player and follow us on Instagram at writers underscore talking underscore podcast.